Athletes Unlimited began last night, and three Indiana Fever players were all on the same team. Tony East is here to discuss what their participation means for the Fever and what, in general, Athletes Unlimited means to the WNBA. Locked On Women's Basketball starts right now. Ogumbawale for the win! You are Locked On Women's Basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. Hello and welcome. You are locked on to women's basketball. I'm Jackie Powell. I'm one of your Friday hosts. I cover the New York Liberty at the next. I help with our social media strategy and I've covered the game at many other places nationally. Bleacher Report, Sports Illustrated, WSLAM, and many more. Thank you for making Locked on Women's Basketball your first listen every day. And remember, Locked on Women's Basketball is brought to you by everyone at The Next, a place where we cover women's basketball all the time, and we tell the stories that need to be told every day. Also, if you subscribe to us, you can get 50% off our partner site, The Equalizer, which covers women's soccer every day. And if you become a paid subscriber of The Next right now, you can get 23% off our usual price. 23% off? Why 23? It's in honor of, of course, we are in the year 2023, but also we just have been through what was the most chaotic and exciting free agency period in probably the WNBA's history. So, also, Locked on Women's Basketball is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and many more. Today's episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional therapy done securely online, available to people worldwide. And they have a special offer for our listeners. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash locked on. During our last time together on this show, I had Sabrina Merchant here for a two-parter, and we gave our free agency grades to every WNBA team. But now that free agency is pretty much, for the most part, easing up, Athletes Unlimited season is here, along with the final stretch of the college season. So I've got Tony here. What exactly is on our roadmap for today. So we're here to discuss how the Indiana Fever have taken advantage and maybe even taken over Athletes Unlimited, which for those of you who don't know is a player-led league that plays for around five weeks and now is in its second season. So Tony, hello. Thank you so much for being here. Tony is our Indiana Fever expert at the Next, and he covers the Pacers for many places, including Forbes, and I think the Pacers SI site does so much incredible work. Tony, I have to ask you, from your coverage of the Indiana Fever, why did it make sense to you that Indy is tied for the most players, a WNBA team, has playing in Athletes Unlimited? I think for a young team, it's all about reps, right? They had a lot of players play overseas too, but for the ones who did stay stateside, or at least for part of the offseason stayed stateside, not only getting in reps, but if I'll talk about this, together, getting being on the same team is extremely valuable. They've only had one season together. It's not like they you know, have this significant chemistry built up. and It's really hard to be you know, a, a fresh new team when you draft seven new players in one year. And now they added their own free agents this summer as well. None of them are in AU, but uh, you know, that building more together is extremely important for this team. So for Alyssa Smith, who again was here for much of the off season for Lexi Hall, who stayed stateside has been in Indiana often Kelsey Mitchell as well, who's now healthy too, right? For her, it's about getting back on the floor. She missed the very end of the season, 
right with her with her foot and ankle injuries. So the fact that she's back and healthy is huge for her. So for all of them individually, it made sense to get back out there, right, to, to, to get the reps, but also to play together and develop for a team that that really needs that. Right. They have a lot of younger talent that is still trying to prove themselves, find their way in the in the pro basketball landscape. It just makes all the sense in the world for them to play in a league that has premier talent and allows them to get better at the same time as develop chemistry and talent at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's now what I'm really curious about actually, Tony, is how much of a push from the front office of of Lynn Dunn and, and Christy Sides was there for these fever players to do athletes unlimited. And I guess what is it about their philosophy as a team that maybe makes this participation a productive offseason? You got to be warm and ready when you got a new coach like Christy Sides, who was always joking about the second players walk in the door at training camp. They're picking up on defense, right? 90 feet, it's going to be all up in your face. You can't you can't come in cold to that. I don't know necessarily that either of them said, we want you to do this specific league necessarily, but I do think that, you know, again, their whole team basically is playing in some league at the moment if they're healthy and, and able to. So I do think there's something to them. And, 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 you know, finances are involved here, but playing, right? Being ready for the season when it starts, because this is a big year for the Fever, right? They've been in the basement of the league for forever, over a half decade now. They're trying to get out of it. Lynn Dunn has her her plan that she's mapped out. She got the interim tag removed because year one went well. They have the number one pick, but eventually expectations will come and they have to start winning. And I think having their players get better, even not during the season, is so huge for this franchise, especially with the new head coach in Christy Sides, who knows a lot of these players well, right, has been in market for a ton of the offseason. But to, to have them be better and be ready, I think, is, is a huge push for this team that that desperately needs it, right? I mean, finishing last so many times, and, and the context is important behind it. Like, yeah, it, we understand how it happened, but they need to be better at some point. You can't, you can't sit at the bottom of the league for so long. So, you know, I don't, I don't know if it was a specific push to any one league necessarily, but I do think, you know, having them get in reps and get better was, was huge for this franchise. Yeah, it was interesting. I, I mean, I, I follow Lynn Dunn's Twitter <laughs> quite closely. It's, it's a pretty exciting account. To... It's adorable, Jackie. It's adorable. <laughs> yes. I, one day I want to ask her why her handle and why her name is Chalk Talk, but that's a whole other discussion. But it was interesting. On December 15th, she quote tweeted one of our news stories about Athletes Unlimited. And she was like, wow, surprise that Destiny Henderson is not included at Dawn Staley. And I was like, what? <laughs> I was a little confused, but I don't know. That tweet seems to me like Lynn Dunn is someone who is very much so on board with the concept of Athletes Unlimited. And it seems to me like if it were up to her, the Fever would have four players uh, <laughs> in, in AU. Um, but I do want to talk about some of my observations because I did get to watch the Fever Unlimited group last night. And so I'll tell the listeners what I saw. And then I'm going to ask you, Tony, sort of what the significance of what we saw last night really means for the Fever. So let's, let's break it down. So first of all, with Athletes Unlimited, the point scoring system is a little different. Um, each player is given a overall point total for not just scoring or rebounding. It's also for what they do on defense. It's also for how their team does. So let's start with Melissa Smith. So, or actually, so the, the Fever 3 of Melissa Smith, Kelsey Mitchell, and Lexi Hull were all on Team Sims, which was led by Odyssey Sims. And they fell to Team Williams, which was led by Courtney Williams, by a score of 96 to 93. So it was a close one. And it was in overtime. So it was very exciting. So Melissa Smith, who I was very impressed by, and maybe... I didn't watch her enough because, you know, it's sort of when I look back, I was like, oh, this is sort of what she was doing during the WNBA season. But anyway, so she had 21 points on 10 of 15 shooting. Pretty efficient, if you ask me. 
10 rebounds, one assist in 39 minutes. And she got a total of 263 points. Kelsey Mitchell, she had 17 points on seven of 15 shooting, three for four from three, five rebounds, three assists, 142 total points in 39 minutes. Then you have Lexi Hull, who scored four points, had four rebounds, had a steal, two blocks. In 26 minutes, she shot two for eight from the field and missed all four threes. So that's those are the stats. Tony, just based on the that box score that I stated, what are your takeaways from that as someone who has watched the fever much more than I did in 2022? So many things. So many things. <laughs> First of all, I'll start with Lexi Hall just because you said her last and she's on the brain. Although I do have it in front of me, like it, it's so close to there, but it's not that right. Like uh, it's funny to look back at her coming into the league and getting this, this label of three and D type of player. And she was more than that at Stanford, but that was kind of her, the the appeal and in my opinion watching her last year she was kind of everything but that (laughs) her her she was much better inside the arc she has a lot of good in between game kind of things that's what she was good at at stanford beyond the three and d stuff right like a connecting piece on the wing can play off the ball and be a good passer and make this stuff happen but the three ball was never ever there she was not a good shooter at all in her first year and the defense i thought was pretty good for her size she's mobile she's quick so there was a lot to her game, but not quite what she was billed to be. This stat line kind of reflects exactly that, right? And if the shots start falling for her, like, she'll be twice as good immediately. And, like, duh, player making shots makes them better. But, you know, for her specifically, given that she's already got a lot of the other stuff kind of ingrained in her and is that connecting piece, I think it's so huge for her. And Nalissa, obviously, my eyes are drawn to 21 points anytime that it happens. And, and she kind of had, yeah, not the opposite season, but she... And when she got the ball in her spots was so good. She figured out how to kind of flex and be Alyssa Smith, a little more bullying as the season went on, not in a bad way, in a great way on the floor. And you know, clearly improved as a rebounder as the season went on. Like, I think if she can be that in between piece for a Kelsey Mitchell, for a potentially a number one pick whose name I won't say, because we don't know if she's going pro yet, but uh, you know, just being that kind of, I can score from my spots kind of player. I'm a good screener. I'm a bully on the glass, like in a good way, you know, that would be a key development step for her to just polish what she's already good at because I don't, she's she can do kind of everything, which I think is pretty valuable for this fever team. And and Kelsey Mitchell should just shoot every possession because she's a beast. <laughs> Obviously, that would never happen in any league ever. But uh, seeing her uh, grow as a, as a ball handler and a point guard last year uh, was extremely impressive. So uh, I was hoping that want a team with more fever players she'd be more of a distributor i think she was playing more two guard in this game but uh you know that would be big for her but she's still just such a, a beast as a score and impossible to stay in front of and a little did you forget jackie odyssey sims fever legend who they acquired in the uh the um excuse me the um lindsey allen trade with the the links but they immediately cut her she never played for so um yeah all there we were talking about this off air like their box scores are very fever-esque from last year and i think that's kind of both encouraging in a pickup setting but also like okay you want me maybe want to see a little more but i think they outplayed to exactly kind of the, the beat you expect them to yeah and i mean i i sort of thought maybe there's there's no coincidence that the person who is the facilitator of this team for our listeners, just reminding you, with Athletes Unlimited, there aren't formal coaches. There are more facilitators. So the, they're technically they're, they're coaches that provide some sort of, I guess, they are, I don't want to say consultants, but that's sort of what they are. And so for Team Odyssey Sims, she was the captain. It was Carlos Knox who was the facilitator. And so it was sort of wild because it was like, okay, that was the former head coach of the Fever for the majority of 2022. But my observations, I guess, besides the box score, were Kelsey Mitchell, is she looks like herself. She's brilliant. It looks like she's healed from whatever. Is that a stress fracture? I'm trying to remember what that was. The foot Stress thing. reaction? I can't remember exactly either. Words, injuries, that... Yes. Yes. Um, (laughs) Melissa Smith, 
I mean, as you said, Tony, she can score from anywhere. I mean, she even has like a jab step, step back three, which can go in. And and it did. And it's sort of interesting because it's like Hull had 26 minutes. That's not nothing. But I'm sort of like, maybe she could have gotten a little bit more run. I mean, I guess it's encouraging that there was more belief in her than in Veronica Burton. Um, but, you know, I, I guess Hull got the same amount of run that Lasia Clarendon did, which is weird because you think Lasia Clarendon should be getting a lot of minutes. But anyway, there wasn't a lot of ball movement or player movement or trust. I mean, I understand that this is a brand new team and they only had one week together, but I don't know. You know, I just, it reminded me of the 2022 Indiana fever as well, where you have these individual pieces, you have these players with a lot of potential, but they're, the pieces aren't coming together and the, the pieces aren't playing off each other. There were some really nice moments with two-player action with Melissa Smith and Kelsey Mitchell. And it really seemed like they're comfortable with each other. Melissa knows where to put screens to create more space for Kelsey. But there wasn't enough of that. Um, so coming up, we're going to discuss how Tony believes the fever might be on a course to evolve from 2022 and what Fever Unlimited presented to us last night. But before we get there, I want to discuss something that means a great deal to me. So this show, as I said, is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, when you're at your best mentally and emotionally, you can accomplish a lot. But what happens when you aren't? Sometimes it's hard to do your best and be the most present when you're feeling overwhelmed, anxious, and emotionally exhausted. Just like when you have a cold, a flu, or a stomach bug, you can't function at 100%. The same that goes for physical health also goes for mental health. Working with a therapist can help you get closer to the best or even just a better version of yourself. And I truly believe that. I've been in therapy for a large portion of my adult life, and it has made me a healthier and stronger person. I've learned a lot about myself and why I do what I do. I've also learned so many tools over the years as to how to handle some of life's toughest challenges. Therapy is for everyone. That's my personal belief. It's not just for folks who have suffered immense traumas, as it gives you a non-biased perspective about how you can problem solve in your life. If you're thinking of giving therapy a try, and you should, BetterHelp is a great option. It's convenient, flexible, affordable, and entirely online. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. If you want to live a more empowered life, therapy can get you there. Visit betterhelp.com slash locked on today and get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash locked on. Therapy rules, as simple as that. All right, <laughs> let's get back to the program. So, Tony, I think where I want to start with you is what grade would you give the Fever for their offseason moves? Probably a B, a B minus, maybe. Um, not, nothing slam dunk home run like perfect fit player perfect long-term addition kind of stuff uh but they made good moves the danielle robinson for christy wallace trade perfect for them right they need a couple more players in that kind of position they needed a point guard with a little different skill set we'll talk about who they actually signed in a second right that's a good trade for them and it helped them financially which kind of allowed them to do the rest of the things that they did in the summer and then they used some of that money and that space at point guard and bring back Erica Wheeler, who one is kind of a legend in Indy for, you know, her MVP or all-star MVP season in 2019 was super good on this team was actually on the last kind of decent and good fever team has played with 
uh, Victoria Vivians and Kelsey Mitchell before. Christy Sides was an assistant on that team. Christy Sides, obviously an assistant in Atlanta with Wheeler last year. And that's really important, not only because they know each other, but because a big part of Sides' uh, plan this year is like establishing that culture from Atlanta in Indiana. If you can have players from there, that helps you do that. Oh, look, Maya Caldwell also from there, right? So you can see their vision and how they kind of wanted to do this, which was add players that fit what they need, which was a point guard who can who can do a little more off the bounce like Eric Wheeler and kind of co copy the culture that worked really well for Atlanta. And so much happened with, with Tanisha's team that made them you know, fantastic last year, but doing what you can to replicate that. And then you know, that all I think is good. Um, protected contracts for some players who maybe you didn't need to have protections on. Not so great, but Emma Cannon, great vet for this team for years and years. Dunn brought her back after Tamika Catchings originally signed her, right? Clearly familiarity and appeal there with that signing. Victoria Vivians came back. She uh, called Christy Sides, really excited when Sides got the job, right? They're close from her time. Like every move they made individually is is fine, given the team needed wings. Like Victoria Vivians is great there. Betty Hatara is back for training camp, and for me, hopefully longer, but we'll see what actually goes on there. So that they added you know, uh, more young pieces and more pieces that they need. Cause I think you do need to mix in some talented vets to help the young players get better. Um, so I, I think in general, they got better and they took meaningful steps to, especially cause every deal they signed was two years or less really be a player in a few years when they're young players and whoever they draft number one this year, take steps forward, but they didn't do any slam dunk home run stuff. So that's why I go with BB minus, but I'm curious what you think, Jackie. So I actually gave them, I think when I was on air with Sabrina, I gave them a C plus slash B minus. And, and I think when you look at grades, I think there are two ways to look at it. You looked at it via the lens of relativity, sort of looking at where the fever are and sort of thinking about their past and their future. When Sabrina and I were looking at the league more broadly, it was sort of we were comparing it to other teams in the league and, and sure. their moves. And so I I agree with a lot of what you said because the Fever aren't ready for a slam dunk type move. I agree with that. And it's, you know, you brought up the Atlanta Dream a lot. And so I think the Atlanta Dream are going to be an organization that the Fever follow in their footsteps. I, I believe the Fever are a step behind the Dream, just like how I believe the Atlanta Dream are a step behind the New York Liberty. There was discussion about, okay, well, the Atlanta Dream clearly have owners who want to spend. You know, why didn't they have a huge home run move? I'm like, well... Getting Alicia Gray, I think that was is a, a home run move, right? That's, I mean, and so I think, and I went on our friend and colleague James K's Skyhook podcast, and I spent a long time praising what Lynn Dunn has done because the vision is so clear. And a lot of front office people say this phrase, they say, we want to do this the right way. And I'm like, well, what the hell does that even mean? And so the more and more I've been observing rebuilds, I think I understand what that means. It means taking your time, not trying to jump the gun, not trying to sign veterans to sign veterans. You're signing people who bring skills that you want that are culture piece fit into the culture and that's that's what i saw from from indiana and so i think in bringing this back to athletes unlimited a little bit what type of challenges do you feel like christy sides has in front of her to find ways to have melissa smith kelsey mitchell and lexi hall because it seems clear to me that the Fever believe in Lexi Hall. They really do. And I was a WNBA draft or a mock drafter last year who didn't think she would be sixth overall, but um, clearly the Fever believe in her. And so I guess what I want to know, Tony, is how really – what sort of thing does Christy Sides need to do to be able to put those pieces together and allow them to play off of each other rather than just 
separate from each other, which is sort of what what I saw during Athletes Unlimited. And I think you saw during the, the 2022 season. I mean, my first thought is you can't have a point guard next to Kelsey Mitchell. That's like Odyssey Sims. But I want to hear from you a little bit more nuanced as to how Christie sides can go about accomplishing uh, more of a cohesive style of play. Yeah, they clearly do believe in Lexi. You draft someone sixth, and and Lynn said right after the pick, right? They they came in the room and would tell us about the picks before going right back into their war room, like as the draft was happening. And she said that they thought someone else would pick her before their next pick, so they picked her, right? Like if you want a player, that's how you get them on your team. They've invested time and energy into her this offseason as well. And Lexi Hall is going to have to fight for a roster spot, quite frankly, like given just how the Fever's offseason has been. It's just a fact that it's going to be that way. But I think she has a a pretty good chance at getting it, just given what the team thinks of her. But, you know, that's part of what Christy Sides will be evaluating in camp is does she fit the way I'm trying to make this group fit together? And that's a new head coach's challenge every year. And to go back to 2022 Fever, like to, to, to push this conversation forward, it's like, the, they had just hired Lynn, Lynn Dunn to start this thing. Like it, it's hard to think this way because the Fever have been, you know, in the in the league cellar for six years. But one year ago today, Lynn Dunn had been the GM for ten days, right? Like just had started, right? So you know that's a pretty friend. Yeah, you make that face, but Tamika was like, go on on Valentine's Day of of twenty twenty two, right? So I, I remember. Um, and so then. They have a, a, a coach that wasn't hired by the GM. So Marianne Stanley has like a not complicated, but you know, a lot of timing elements required in her offense. And they have a brand new team that doesn't know that stuff yet or how to play with each other. Right. And that didn't work. So they had to change coaches midseason and they had an interim coach all year, but they're still trying to figure each other out. It's so like it was all new and fresh and it still kind of is. But last year, when you look at last year's team and it not feeling as cohesive, like there's a lot that went into that between drafting a ton of new players and changing coaches and the system installed by the first coach that made more sense with the veteran team that they were trying to have succeed in the prior years. So like this year they have removed the interim tag from Dunn, right? That that's her spot. Now Dunn has hired the coach that she wanted. They have a lot more time with all these players together to set up a system to, to they won't be adding as much talent in, right? A lot of their free agency additions were either players who have played with these fever players before or re-signing players they already have, right? So they're not going to, the challenges are going to be much different from last year. It's not going to be fitting talent together. It's going to be creating a system to maximize that group. And I think that's a big difference that is going to be the challenge Christie Sides faces on how to make that happen. And I think you nailed part of it that, you know, that they, Kelsey Mitchell has the ball all the time that she's going to have to be the connecting creator in that way. Like you can have those in-between pieces like we talked about with Lexi Hall and, and things like that. And they have the talent to finish plays and just standard two player actions. You know, Queen Agbo was, was showing signs of that last year. Emily Engsler, if she ends up becoming a good finisher, is going to be a terrific player, right? They have all these pieces together. It's just getting a system in place, whether that's, uh, you know, a random action system, whether that involves more cutting, whether that's heavy pick and roll, whatever it is, they need to set something up that allows Kelsey Mitchell to be Kelsey Mitchell, but also lets her set up everybody else. Because Lynn Dunn talked about, Maybe not, I wouldn't say building around her, but just like she's so talented that she's kind of the centerpiece of what they were thinking about last year. So how can they make her be really good at the same time, allow the rest of the players to succeed and be helpful around her. And look, if I'll say her name now, I guess if they get a Leah Boston, they have to to change things a little bit <laughs> from what, from what I just said, but you know, find, figuring out the right scheme or style of play, whatever that is, to, to ma- and, and Wheeler's good too with the ball, but to just maximize your guard play and let them set everybody else in motion and get things going, I think is going to be what the Fever have to do this year. Now that they have the institutional parts in place. That's fascinating. I Long mean, answer. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, don't apologize. I, I have so many more questions based on what you said because I remember the universe when the fever were trying to build around Kelsey Mitchell and Tierra McCowan. And that was sort of a mess because those were two players that had such contrasting styles. And so, yeah. And, and well, sorry to interrupt you, but like T is, T is great and and was good with Dallas last year and just got a contract extension as a result. But in a Marianne Stanley system with timing being a big element, Kelsey Mitchell plays fast. Tierra McCowan plays slow. Like, yes, they're both good players, but that contrasting style, was was difficult at times, right? And so what, I don't want to say it's like an entire offense predicated on timing. Like that, that's like 
football. You know, like that's not that's not entirely what they were doing, but it was an important part of the element that made that not work as well as it seemed like talent wise it should have. Continue. Sorry. No, no, that's important context. But also, so what I'm thinking about now, and I mean, now that you've sort of mentioned the elephant in the room in Aaliyah Boston, I sort of think, well, how can Aaliyah Boston, potentially Aaliyah Boston yeah, potentially. <laughs> and, and Kelsey Mitchell play well off each other? You know, you have another dominant post player, but what do you think is the difference between making an Aaliyah and Kelsey team work versus what went on with Kelsey and T. Aaliyah has got more of the not three feet from the basket skills. And and, and T again is a great player, but mm-hmm. Aaliyah can shoot it much better. She's a good screener, a great screener, uh, a good handoff player. Like in, in a, in a two player action or a, an action around the ball, Sarah McCowan's going to screen and roll like that. That is, what she's good at. Aaliyah Boston can do more than that, whether it's handoff or pop behind the line or set a go screen and run over and screen for someone else. She could just do more. And then when she gets the ball in that situation, she can make more decisions than just, you know, I can finish right here at the basket. So that versatility makes her a really good fit. If that, if that happens, if that happens, she would be a stellar fit with the fever and what they already kind of have. Very close with Tenny as well from you know their South Carolina days when they if they end up sharing the court. So um, there's a lot to it that I think would make her fit in any style just because she's so skilled at things that that are you know further than five feet from the rim. And I think that would make her a good fit with with this team if if, if it shakes out that way. <laughs> so another question I have for you is more um, about players that we do know for sure will be on the 2023 Indiana. And and that is Kelsey Mitchell again. But I'm curious about how you see Kelsey Mitchell and Erica Wheeler playing off each other. Because as I mentioned before, in Athletes Unlimited last night, there wasn't a really good synergy between Kelsey Mitchell and Odyssey Sims. I mean, it, it was very awkward looking. And Odyssey Sims, I think, was bit selfish with the ball. So I'm curious as to how Erica Wheeler and who she is and how she plays is going to play off Mitchell well. Wheeler grew as a passer in her career when she was teammates with Kelsey Mitchell before, right? Going from a one to two assists per game, clearly a, a scoring style guard. And like, that's what broke her into the league originally, right, to being I, I can distribute a little bit and run the show. That's what the fever needed her to be as she grew from. You know, she started pretty quickly in her tenure here, but like the everyday starter by her last season when she was really putting it all together, right? That was the season I mentioned earlier, the all-star campaign with the all-star MVP. That was obviously an awesome story. But I, I think that playmaking is going to be a huge part of it, right? Because I think most people, and correctly, I would say, view them both more as scorers first yep. before their passing ability. And so I think it's that that balance is going to be very key to figuring out, it, you know, what is the right balance of doing it yourself versus letting someone else do it? Because, like, you know, going on per game numbers isn't fair because Wheeler's minutes dropped, but her assist numbers dropped last year. And also her shooting percentages dropped last year, right? Does that mean she's taking a step back? Does that mean the system wasn't great for her? I don't know, but for her, it's going to be important, I think, because Kelsey Mitchell, quite frankly, is just a better player with the ball, to know her role next to Kelsey Mitchell is not to be the score first guard. It's to be a facilitator and a setup player for this Fever team. And, you know, again, like per 36, her her assists were about the same with the Sparks in the Dream, right? So the minutes are a factor in the per game stats. But I think in general, leaning, like she can get past players with the ball, handling the ball and make a defense rotate and move. But at that moment, it's going to be key for her to know, okay, I need to be a distributor or someone setting things in motion and not try to be lead scorer, Erica Wheeler, because we it's not even just Kelsey, although their fit is extremely important. It's like, you know, Nelissa Smith can can score from anywhere and whoever else is on our team in the starting five, you know, can, can be a threat. And they, you know, it's probably going to just be whoever the best shooter is. We'll start at the three, but, you know, connect, connecting those two is going to be tricky because they, they do kind of have a similar offensive Patlet, but I think Wheeler grew as a passer playing with Mitchell before and sides was 
on the staff then. And I think harnessing that skill now is going to be really important for her. What's really interesting about what you said is I feel like the what we think is going to be the fever starting backcourt of Kelsey Mitchell and Erica Wheeler is something that reflects a more modern basketball trend. And this is something I've spoken to a lot of folks about. And this is having two guards that can play on and off the ball. And so I think that I... I have a feeling that that's sort of where Christy Sides and Lynn Dunn are going and what they're thinking. It's so finding ways where Erica Wheeler is off the ball, but directing traffic. She's cutting, she's making plays without the ball in her hand. Kelsey Mitchell can find her. And then you have the reverse. So I think it's going to take sacrifice. And I think Erica Wheeler is... I don't know if I'm going to use the word perfect, but she is a very, she has always been about sacrifice. At least that's sort of how I saw it. She was about sacrifice in Atlanta. The fact that her minutes went down because they wanted to experiment with Ari McDonald a little bit. Again, I think that trade with Atlanta, bringing D-Rob over, I think D-Rob's going to fit what Atlanta does so much better than, than Erica Wheeler. But um Yeah. I mean, I think what they're going for is they're going for that modern backcourt where you have two guards that can be on and off the ball and they they're both threats. And and look who they kept from their youngsters. Right. Lexi Hall. Mm -hmm. That's the hope with her. Right. She can be that. Like I said earlier, connecting piece with the ball, but also an off ball threat if the shooting materializes. And the one who actually did have their shooting materialize last year, Destiny Henderson. Right fantastic shooter as a rookie for this fever team. And she, she was awesome. The fact that she was there at 20 is like not a franchise changing moment, but a huge moment for the fever. Like she was great for them last year. She's probably going to be their backup all year this year and could play a ton. Like she was playing more minutes than Daniel Robinson down the stretch of last season. And I know you didn't ask me about destiny Henderson, but she perfectly embodies what you just described of being solid on and off the ball. And I think that's going to be really big for this fever team. If she's able to do that. And my Caldwell, if she, plays wing, plays guard, whatever you want to say. She can kind of float between both as well. Christy Wallace doesn't have the on-ball skills as much, but you know, they ha- they have a lot of ball handlers that kind of just fit the mold of what you just said. So I agree 100%. Wow. I mean, first of all, I love the Maya Caldwell contract. I oh, yeah. could go on a rant about how brilliant that was, but I do actually want to shine some light on Melissa Smith quickly. And so... Nissan has this interesting thing. Uh, It's their most electric player of the week, and it's brought to you by the all-new 2023 Nissan Aria. And so while Melissa Smith only played one game so far this week, uh, Athletes Unlimited plays again tonight, and then I think it's on Sunday. Um, But uh, we're talking, since we're talking about the fever, I had to talk about or give the player of the week to Nelissa Smith, who scored, as we said earlier, 21 points on 10 of 15 shooting, 10 rebounds, one assist in her first game as a part of Athletes Unlimited. I mean, it looked very much so like a continuation of her first WNBA campaign and just being able to focus on watching her game a little bit more, she she exuded a, a fierceness and in her moves and ability to score from anywhere. I mean, she was scoring at the mid-range. She was finishing in the paint. She was taking that jab step three. And so, but Melissa Smith is, she's also a player who gets it done defensively as well. Last night, she got a key steal, which led her to taking a game-tying three as time in the third quarter was expiring. She gets it done on both ends, just like the Nissan Aria. The 2023 Nissan Aria packs pin-to-your-seat power and premium intelligence all in one electronic vehicle. The all-new, all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria. EV, or electronic vehicle, for people who love to drive. Shop now at NissanUSA.com. All right. 
Let's get back to our final segment. And I really want to zoom out a little bit. Obviously, we're using the fever as, as a lens here, but I think I want to pose a more existential question to you, Tony. And I think what I want to know is, what do you think the different purposes of Athletes Unlimited are? Like, who is this really for and who is really benefiting? A lot of people benefit to to answer it that way. Like the appeal of athletes unlimited among oh look uh, beyond being able to play and get paid to play in games during the WNBA offseason for these players, not not all of them are in the W too. Is like it's very a, a player centric league, right? Like that's a big part of even their mission statement and brand. Like right on their their who are we page? I can't remember what it's called. It, it, you know, it says that the traditional model of pro sports is not what they're going for, right? They want to do something different. That's more player focused. It's unique, right? The scoring style is totally different. They change teams during the season all the time, right? So the, the, the allegiance and fandom is not the same as just rooting for a team like you do in other sports. It's more player centric. And I think that's cool and different. And I think that appeals to the players who, you know, are, are tight with their friends who are playing or their teammates who are playing, whatever it is. Like it's very fun for them to play that style and be paid to do so. So, I think that the players benefit, fans benefit, because they get to watch their favorites or get to watch the sport or whatever reason they tune in happens to be. And they get to watch it in kind of a it, it's still basketball, right? The the core principles, it's still the same sport, but it's different. And like I said, the scoring is different. Like it's unique. It's a unique and cool product. So I, everyone involved really loves it. Like people, more people are signing up every single year. And, uh, you know, it's just because everybody kind of wins. I think it's, it benefits kind of everybody. The question is how much bigger can they make it? You know, all sorts of other questions that come like it's, it's their second year. Right. Uh, so you know, they have, they have lots of questions to still answer as they grow. But uh, I, I think kind of everybody wins in a setup like this, where it's good for fans. It's good for players, like the consumers winning and the people involved are winning. You know, that, that's something that's going to have a lot of staying power and can grow, but you know, how much and how much that changes it will be. What makes Athletes Unlimited so fascinating on the, in the basketball world? And so I guess, how in the best case scenario do you think that this five-week season will help the fever? It's right before the season, right? So that's huge for them that they can come into, you know, ideally could could every WNBA team just be like, we want all 12 of our players in AU because it's like a mini training camp at that point. So I think the most direct way is, you know, your players who are already here, you know, and they have overlap in Indy, like Henny and Lexi Hall were here at the same time for several weeks this offseason, right? Like that helps you build chemistry and reps, especially when you have a new coach and Kelsey Mitchell overlapped with them for a little bit. And that's great. This is that, but against like a live real defense and like <laughs> with coaching and plays and all sorts of things that are more important than just playing in an empty gym and or whatever you're with your development staff. So it's huge for every team in that way, but especially so the Fever, who have the most of any team, and they won't be on the same team the entire time, but start out on the same team and can literally build together and play together. So the Fever are uniquely positioned to benefit from it uh, right now as a franchise. And yeah, I think the W does like it because it doesn't overlap with their season, obviously, but also because it's shorter and right before their camp, it's it's almost like, you know, it's like a, I don't, I don't want to say an extension of their season because it's a totally different product, but like, you know, it gets people going about these players in the league, which is great. I think you brought up some excellent points there. I mean, it's something that I've been studying this offseason is looking at the league's player marketing agreements and looking at these new opportunities for players to stay stateside. And sort of I've been looking at what are the drawbacks of this. And the main drawback to me is that these individual workouts and and the 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 player development that's not enough to get prepared for a WNBA season it's not enough of a a simulation of what live game speed is I, i've spoken to nafisa collier about this i've spoken to benijah laney about this they believe that you know the league needs to do a better job of making sure that these players that are, you know, marketing them 
also find a way to make sure that they're still playing games, still playing at game speed. I mean, there were a lot of players who were home last offseason who struggled, I guess, transitioning back into training camp and transitioning back into that live game action. You know, for some, it led to injuries. But I think it's really interesting because there is some overlap when it comes to, or there's a lot of overlap when it comes to Athletes Unlimited and the WNBA. And Charles Hallman asked Sydney Colson, who, I mean, she is a leader on their player executive committee. And I think she has what I would say is a stable role on the Las Vegas Aces as basically their ambassador of their locker room culture. I mean, I think it's really interesting that the WNBA, or at least the Aces, have embraced that amid the other drama and chaos and scandals that they have. Something I think they've done right is they have, I guess, really committed to Sydney Colson. And, but anyway, I bring this up because she was asked as to how much she thinks this might be like the W's version of a G League. And I think the way you put it makes much more sense than that. And it's like, it's more like a preseason. It's a a way in which that connects the two leagues together rather than degrades. Um, Because Sydney Coulson's response was, she took that as a bit of a defense or she took that as a bit of an attack really. And, you know, just to... Here's a little bit of what she said. She said, I just want to speak on this part real quick, and then I'll let somebody else handle the uniqueness and everything. But this is no way like the WNBA and Athletes Unlimited are completely separate. By no means are we trying to make this a G League. It's not a mini WNBA. This is to give more women opportunities to play in the States, not the same women. So it's very important for us to not turn this into another league for WNBA players to come in and overtake. So let's unpack that before we sign off. What are your thoughts on on Colson's statement? Because I definitely have some too. Yeah, the the, the difference between what we kind of just alluded to and what she's saying is, you know, even if it's a WNBA preseason or whatever terminology you want to use, that would imply WNBA players. And her quote specifically says, no, no, this is much more than that, right? We can get way more players into this which is great in terms of inclusion and growing talent, things like that, who maybe can't play in the W for what, for whatever reason that that may be, you know, there's a million reasons that 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 could be the case. And that's, that's a big deal. It's totally separate and different because not only of the stylistic things that we've talked about earlier, but because of who actually is playing, right. It's a different league entirely that happens to have some W players. So like, yeah, like I said, I think every W team would be thrilled if, you know their 12 player roster all happen to be playing together in a different league but like that's unrealistic and obviously as colson said you know it it is separate they don't want to i don't think they want it to be viewed that way i think they like it being its own unique thing that can be you know different town and a different product its own standalone thing which is probably good better not even probably that's probably better for athletes unlimited in, in terms of its growth that it is separate it's its own league you know they don't have to latch on to something else to grow. And I think that's a powerful answer from her to, to say it in, in no uncertain terms. Um, but the W is a big part of it, which is why we're talking about how connected they are, right? There's a lot of players in the league in athletes unlimited. That's sort of what I thought was a little ironic. I mean, I think her sentiment is, is on point and it matters, but, and I think Lexi Brown explained this a little bit better where she sort of said, you know, we, you know, we want the WNBA to be on board and to be interacting with this league and to be cross-promoting it, which we th- we have been seeing that they have been. Yep. The WNBA has a, like a digital representative down there capturing for social media down there. I mean, we can watch the games on League Pass, which is huge. Non-YouTube huge. watchers, big thumbs up from me if you can't see my face. That is great. Well, I mean, that's how I watched it last night. I don't right. have Valley Sports. I don't know how I can access the Women's Sports Network, although I love that that is building. And so I think t- to conclude here, I think that 
it was interesting in that first game to see that all the starters were WNBA players. And so for Sydney Colson to say, like, we don't want the WNBA to, to take this over, well, you sort of do in that the some of the most talented players are WNBA players. A lot of the players that are going to shine the most and that are going to perform the best are going to be WNBA players. There isn't really a way to stop that. And and as we said before, this is a league in its second season. We don't have a huge sample size. We haven't seen a case of a player sort of coming out from nowhere, you know, like one of these stories where a player plays Athletes Unlimited and then a WNBA talent evaluator sees them and they come into training camp and then they make this big splash. To be quite honest, we've seen that in the case of Amaya Caldwell and we've seen that in the case of a Benijah Laney, but that hasn't been via Athletes Unlimited, but maybe it will be. So these are just interesting overall women's basketball questions to think about and consider as we move through the Athletes Unlimited season and into the WNBA draft and into WNBA training camp. So thank you for making Locked on Women's Basketball your first listen every day. Join us tomorrow where Hunter Cruz and M. Adler are back with our Saturday WNBA draft theme show. Now make your second listen, game-to-game NBA, every moment, every top performance, every result. Locked on game-to-game covers every game from across the NBA with local analysis that only Locked on can deliver. Follow game-to-game on Locked on NBA, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Yes, the Indiana Fever do have a brother team. They are called the Pacers. They play basketball as well. Wow. Well, anyway, Tony, thank you so much for joining me today. And um, we both wish all of y'all a wonderful weekend. Take care. Welcome to Wallet. For the win. You are locked on women's basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. 